think about inventing something and the accessibility or even personal capability of inventing something, I go into a bit of fantasy land. I go into thinking of Belle from Beauty and the Beast and her father. I go into thinking about those folks, those amazingly bright and brave folks that go on Shark Tank to pitch their idea to get the sharks to invest in their product. I know that is actually real life, but it feels in a way unapproachable the way that they think and the way that they work so hard for something that they believe in so fully and they basically put it all on the line. It's my dad! He took on a shark! I heard he took on three. Three? Three, three sharks? There's gotta be 4,800 teeth! I think about that. I think about things that I can't touch. You touch the butt! And it's fun to dream about inventing something and having it actually be used by people and help people. It seems fun, but it doesn't seem like something that I'd actually be able to really do. Imposters, guess freaking what? You can invent something and you can put it to market. People will actually use it. It feels like something that shouldn't be available to everybody, at least in my eyes, because of my own beliefs and what I'm capable of, but I was proven wrong. Welcome back to the You're Not Qualified podcast. My name is Courtney Heater. I'm your host here, and we're in about 50-ish episodes now. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back. I'm stoked. But let's address the elephant in the room. Babes, it's been a while and I am sorry that I missed basically a month. I was traveling to Japan. I had the time of my life. I climbed Mount Fuji, which has been a huge inspiration and a huge light of my entire existence. Honestly, it really fed my soul in a way that I didn't know I needed. It also had me very excited to branch out and do a little bit something different with this podcast. So stay tuned for some new material. Stay tuned for a little bit of a branch off into something that means a lot to me, and that is pushing myself in the outdoors. I did not grow up athletic. I was allergic to running the mile. I got out of it as much as I possibly could. I had just comical experiences in sports, but that's all for a later time. But all that to say, I was having a blast. I missed you. And I missed bringing you these amazing conversations about people that are pushing themselves and hopefully inspiring you to push yourself. And in this particular case, we are talking to Stephen Kay, and he is somebody who is deep in the inventing world. And he is here to tell us all about it, as well as encourage you to put yourself out there and go after inventing that thing that 
you didn't think held any water. Just go do it. All right, shall we get into it? Let's go. Who's with me? I. 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 I think you're nuts. Tonight we have Stephen K joining us. Stephen is a co-founder at InventRight, and we'll get all into what that is and why he is here. But we're, spoiler, here to encourage you to go out there and pursue your creative passions and make products and make money off of doing it. So I'm really excited to jump in with Steven. He says that he's not qualified already. So this is going to be a good combo. (laughs) Welcome, Steven. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. At InventRight and probably even before you landed with them in developing that company, you encourage people to transform their ideas into physical products. Can you explain this further? I see There's lots of things behind you that makes a little bit of sense, but how does this work? I think it all starts with having an idea or maybe having a problem. When I first started out, I just wanted to create things that put a smile on people's faces. I don't know if I'd call myself an inventor, although I have invented things. Mm. So it all starts with an idea. And I think it's really easy to come up with an idea, and I can talk a little bit about how to do that. But once you have that idea, to bring it to life is really magical. And you can do that many different ways. For me, I designed plush animals. I was a designer to create, I created teddy bears and different types of animals to bring my ideas to life. I was a pattern maker, but it could be out of clay, it could be out of paper, it could be a drawing, it could be a computer-generated graphics that doesn't even exist, but it does because you created it on a computer. Having an idea and bringing it to life is not the difficult part. That's the fun part. There is a hard part later, but that's the fun part. Yeah. And are you in the hard part now? I'm always, let's put it this way. The fun part is the creative part. And like I said, it's magical to, to think about something and create it and then seeing it come to life mm-hmm. and seeing people use it, maybe see it on TV or, or on the store shelf. That's truly incredible, right? The hard part is really uh, understanding that process a little bit and educating yourself mm-hmm. how to do it because there's a lot of pitfalls along the way. So for me, the hardest part is to reaching out to companies. And I, I like to talk a little bit about licensing and that's what I do I license or rent ideas to companies okay I don't make anything you see I leverage the power of companies that are already in business because I don't want to start a business and I don't want to have employees or raise money or do anything that's scary what I want to do is create things for people and let the companies bring my creations to market for me and that's called licensing product licensing Awesome. And especially with plush toys, you probably bring so much joy to people. I growing up, I had plush toys I just adored and I still have some from my childhood. They bring me a lot of happiness. I started studying art in college and loved to make things, but clay and I was a sculptor, but it was really to me it was too much work. So I found that making things out of paper that later I could lay down and build them in fabric, I could create anything very quickly. 
And then I started to do a lot of work for companies creating their characters for them. Yeah. That's fun. so cool. Yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah. Very fun. And so you, you're doing the licensing part of it and you went to school for art. You just said, do you have coaching, teaching background? You do sound very unqualified for what you're doing. So we should talk about this. <laughs> no. And I really love that question because I'm not qualified at all. I've been fail failing since the second grade. School has been very difficult for me. And I didn't know there was a place for me, really. Mm -hmm. And I was studying economics at Santa Clara University, and I just didn't like it at all. I was drowning. And so I took an art class just to take a break. <clears throat> and I loved it. It was something incredible. And I went home, I told my dad, I said, I want to be an artist. And he said, that's really great. You must like to draw. And I said, no. He said, you must like to paint. And I said, no, but I want to create things. And he said, if you find something you truly like to do, you'll probably be a pretty lucky guy. You never worked a day in your life. Mm -hmm. So he gave me permission to jump off the cliff. So I jumped and I found um, a way to create things, show those ideas to companies. And if they like those ideas, they pay me a royalty. So it's basically renting ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And they do all the heavy work for me. And they let me play. Yeah. What a dream job. <laughs> Did you switch your major after you found that you loved art from economics to art? I did switch. I went to San Jose State University. And I was very surprised when I jumped over in the art I knew I was never going to be this artist either. I was okay, but I thought that was going to be very difficult. So I, I actually combined a little bit of business and a little bit of art. I brought them together. So it really worked out well because parts of the business were interesting to me, but the art was very fascinating to me. So I brought them both together. So your question was, why am I a teacher? Why do I think I can teach anybody? That's the craziest thing ever because... I didn't like school at all. And I just wanted to basically play on the playground all the time. And that's why I get to play a lot now. But to think that I can educate or teach people now, it's really shocking to me. And all I wanted to do is tell a story. I wanted to tell a story how easy that if you truly have a dream that you can pursue it. And let me show you how to take down the barriers. Let me tell you how to break the barriers because I've been breaking barriers my whole life. I'm very good at overcoming barriers. Um, like I said, I've been failing since the second grade. I have a learning <laughs> disability. So I'm very used to failure. That's a good friend of mine. And I'm not scared of it. So I teach other people to kick their fear to the curb. Have you always not been afraid of fear? How did you reckon? Let's put it this way. I guess I'm not a I wouldn't say I'm not afraid of it. I'm probably more afraid of it than anybody in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I know how to overcome that fear. I think I know how to deal with it. I know what it is. I feel it. And because of that, I know how to prepare for it. And I guess that's what I've learned is if you prepare and understand it and the obstacles, you can overcome it. But it's always out there. And I'm in the failure business. I'm, I'm in the rejection business. Right. Really? Big yeah. Time. Big time. I could wallpaper my house with rejection letters. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but it doesn't bother me. No. I'm glad it doesn't bother you. I think we've all watched things like Shark Tank where it's brought this to people's living rooms, this idea of pitching a product. And that's got to be, gosh, rejection after rejection. People cry a lot. <laughs> that's for sure. They like drama. That's a true TV show. They thrive I, it. Yeah. Yes, they do. And But there is a lot of drama to this too. Don't get me wrong. You... What's really exciting is that when you have a, an idea and you, you think you found that right company and you reach out to them and they say, let me see what you have. Mm-hmm. And then you show them the idea and they go, we'd love it. Now that doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, you're just like, I found a home. So that's what it's really about. It's about finding a home for your ideas and let them take that idea and, and share it with the world. Yeah. You did mention that you are basically an expert at breaking barriers now because you've had to do it. And you hear people say all the time that they can't do it because they have never done it before, or they don't have prior experience, or they don't have the natural skills to do it. How do you help people out of that line of thinking? I was in my early 20s when I met someone. Everybody thought I was crazy, and everybody thought I was probably the biggest loser on the planet. But I really loved this. And I started selling things I made at street fairs and county fairs. That's how I started. I made things and sold them. And I found that was really crazy to think that I could sell something, people would buy it. So I knew that process of making something, someone would purchase it. My my thought process was, how do I get that into stores? So I met someone that I asked him if I was crazy. He said, no, you, you found the right guy. And he helped me. He, he's still a good friend of mine today after so many years. So he believed in me when no one did. And he showed me the ropes and he taught me a lot of life lessons, really. And so I figured it out. I made a lot of mistakes. Everybody does. But I have to say, too, that I raised my hand for everything. I said yes to everything because I, mm-hmm. I knew that I could figure it out. Or if I didn't, that's okay too. But my life changed when I was 28 years old. That's when I had my first job. And everything changed. Before I was basically making things, selling them, and living out of my apartment or cars and loving life. And, and then I read an article in the local paper about a, about a startup. And that startup um, was building the first talking teddy bear, Teddy Ruxpin. And it was a prototype, which is the first example or first model or, of a product. And it was really not very cute. <laughs> so I went down on Monday morning. I read the article on a Sunday. And I knocked on the door because they were in the same town. And and I knocked on the door and I said, that teddy bear needs to be cuter. And they let me in and they said, can you do that? And I said, yeah, because I make stuffed animals. And they gave me my first job at 28. And my life changed. Because Teddy Ruxpin became one of the largest selling toys that year. We sold 5 million Teddy Ruxpins. And I went from basically living out of my car to traveling the world. Yeah. And that's my gosh, it changed. And, and that's when I met this most amazing person that also changed my life. And that's my wife. 
Yeah. How, what age were you when you met her? 28 years old. 28 then too. Wow. 28 was a catalyst year for you. That's amazing. She, she was the smartest person I ever met and she knew everything. And she went to Stanford and got her MBA at Northwestern. She was everything I wasn't. And, and sure enough, she, I guess I sold her on myself. And so she, we got married (laughs) 35 years ago and she supported me and she believed. And, And I think you need someone like that. So that's what I try to do with other people with my company is be there for them and support them and understand what they're going through. So I have a program where everybody that helps first time people walk the path. And so they all understand it because we've all been there. We've all had doubts. We've all have dreams. And so we just, we hold people's hands. Yeah. Someone held mine. Yeah. That's really beautiful because it's paying it forward tenfold, hundredfold from somebody helping you because you're helping other people bring their dreams to life. And there's definitely patterns here. Raise your hand, say yes. And with Teddy Ruxpin, can I also just say that's a really weird name for a teddy bear, but I don't think I would ask for Teddy Ruxpin for Christmas, but um, especially if it's not cute. Uh, but you made it cute. That's the thing. You came in and you yep. noticed a gap and you said, Hey, I can help. So it's, you know, putting yourself out there saying yes, probably asking a ton of questions too, all the time. I wasn't afraid um, to knock on that trailer door. I wasn't afraid to say, Hey, I can help you. I wasn't afraid of it. I knew that I was clever enough and determined enough, mm-hmm. passionate enough. And they saw that in me. They knew I was a little weird. They knew they could tell I was not the corporate type. I hadn't really had a job before. They knew it, but they didn't say anything about it because they saw my passion and they saw that this guy really likes it. This guy can fix it. This guy's going to help us. So they believed in me and yeah, everything changed. And then I was able to learn a lot about licensing because the inventor of Teddy Ruxpin was making a million dollars in royalties a month. Hmm. I got to see it firsthand. Well, who's laughing now? I'm here making fun of the name. <laughs> I, got, I had to get a Google about that. And um, so I got to see it firsthand. I was amazed by it. Here, here I was over in the Far East. I was living in China. And I'm the guy there making sure Teddy looks great coming down the production line. I realized he wasn't there. And my father told me something very early on. He said, look, if you can find something that doesn't require your hands or your presence, and has a multiplying effect, you can create great wealth. I didn't understand that until- That's so smart, yeah. I didn't understand it until I'm on that production line and I realized that's what my dad was saying. The inventor isn't there. It's manufacturing, that's the multiplying effect. He's not, he's not using his hands, other people are. So that whole thing about leveraging the power of a company was fascinating to me because now the companies were working for me. Yeah. And I thought, here's a guy that was selling things on the street corners. And now I had products that were selling around the world, some of mine. And I saw it come full circle. And that's when I was like, that, that's a really amazing feeling. So I help other people do that too. And I have some amazing students all over the world that are doing some crazy things. And they're doing the same thing. And every time they have a success... And it's my success. Mm-hmm. 
So we celebrate it. And that, I get to relive it over and over again. Yeah. And you have a house in Lake Tahoe. You're really killing it. <laughs> I'm very lucky. I was. I would probably be the person everybody would count out. So am I qualified? I am in the sense that I walk the walk. I know rejection. I know what it takes. I've done it repeatedly. Yep. I've licensed ideas in many different industries, knocked on a thousand doors, pitched so many products, but saw how it really works. So the information I'm trying to provide, let me show you how to do this anywhere in the world at any age. It doesn't take a lot of money. Let me show you how to break down all the barriers so anybody today can get in the game. Anybody. I, I, so we have members that are, my, my youngest member that licensed an idea was 13 years old. Love it. Was it a toy? He's now he's a boy. So he's a little bit, kids at that age are a little bit like to have fun. Uh -huh. And he created, he loved the whoopee cushions, right? You sit on it. And, <laughs> okay, listen. and he loved it. And he loves to read. So he created a bookmark in the shit. And that's actually a whoopee cushion. It's called the bookie cushion. Oh my God. And so does it, Fart? Yes, yes it does. Close the and, book on it. <laughs> yes, and it sells at Barnes and Noble, Kohl's, Walmart. It sells everywhere. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm gonna get one. It's That's 13. great. He's yeah, 15. my nephews would love it. <laughs> yeah, he's 15 now. He giggles. He's such an amazing young man, and his sister helped him. But he used the same principles that I've been teaching, and it works. Yeah. Yeah, really. 13 years old. That is amazing. But there are, you're saying you work with all walks of life, but people are telling themselves that my good, my idea is not good enough. Nobody's going to want to license this, buy this. There's this societal expectation that really only a certain subset of people can actually bring things and ideas to market, but it's not true. I've licensed the dumbest ideas you can imagine. Oh God. What's the dumbest? <laughs> I, a company I knew, I knew that they were making seasonal items and they said, Steve, can you come up with a seasonal Valentine's item for about $2? Mm -hmm. so I wrote them this one description, a plastic arrow with a suction cup that says, I'm stuck on you or I love you. And they took it, didn't build a prototype, didn't file for any intellectual property. And they took it and they paid me for one sentence and they licensed it. Oh my God. Now that's pretty goofy. It's okay. I also, this is one of my best selling. This is called the Michael Jordan wall ball. And I just took a mm. regular indoor Nerf basketball game that was square, boring, and had a little logo of Michael Jordan. He was my favorite. And I said, Michael should be big. So I took a poster, put it on the backboard, slapped it on the backboard, sent it to a company. It sold for over 10 years. And it was like, it's called the Michael Jordan wall ball. I'm pretty sure I've seen that. Yeah, that's some simple ones. And some of them are, are life-changing. Those are silly ones. But some of them, like putting more information on a, a label. We, there's a technology I created that allows you to spin a label. Whoa. Yeah. See, that's genius. And and so it, and you can do really fun things with the technology, too, make things move. I'm surprised I don't see that on water bottles all over the place. And then this actually, you can spin the label and you can get the right dosing to a child. 
that, yeah, that could even save lives. I guess what I'm saying is I started out doing really fun things, but then it started to take some of that creativity and, and started solving different types of problems. But it all starts with just having fun and thinking a little differently. And I'm not very creative, but I found a way to be creative. Right. And so getting back to this teaching thing, I think it's really interesting because my wife, I met her at a company. Eventually, she left corporate uh, corporate America and became a teacher. Mm. And when I first came home, I said, I'm going to start teaching people. She's, are you out of your mind? You didn't like school. There's no way you can teach anybody. And we've been teaching people for the last 23 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there any patterns in success that you see from these people that you could share? Yeah, there's, I can tell you the magic. There's a magic formula. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a magic formula. It's being very persistent. Mm -hmm. It's being very disciplined. And it's not giving up. So if you don't get a license from one company, do you approach another company? Yeah. I reach out to a lot of them. Probably 30. Oh my gosh. Until I get a yes. In fact, this, the spin label that I showed you, I have 100 rejection letters. I put them on my table, took a photograph. I have a very long table, 100 no's. Mm. Now, most people would give up, right? Come on, that's insanity. 100 no's. I showed that I did to 100 wrong companies because all I had to do was show it to the right one and they took it. Yeah. 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 It's so you... it, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. You know what it is? It's like knocking on doors of opportunity. Okay. If you knock on one door, you have one opportunity. If you knock on hundreds of doors. <laughs> yeah. I, I play the, the game of math, mm-hmm. right? And to increase your chances of success, you come up with lots of ideas. You spend very little money on any one idea and you pitch them to a lot of companies and build relationships. And the companies really appreciate, not all of them, but many do, that creative people, you're a little bit different. You're looking at things a little bit differently. So they eventually tell you what they're looking for. So they give you a target to hit. I'll give you an example of one company, and there's many, but let's take the toy industry. Let's say take Hasbro. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a, one of the toughest industries to be a game or toy inventor. But 60% of their all their ideas come from people like us on the outside 60 percent yeah that's a lot i'll give you another example of of royalties gatorade that drink that's created one billion dollars in royalties Mm -hmm. now the first idea that got licensed i think was the sewing machine that was 200 years ago so product licensing has been around for a long time and there's certain industries that embrace it And there's certain industries that's a little bit more difficult. So the companies that do embrace working with us, creative people, those companies embrace open innovation. Meaning They don't care where an idea comes from. So you end up knocking on a lot of doors and meeting a lot of amazing people. When I showed the rotating label, the spin label to Disney, I was in a Disney meeting because I used to make guitar picks in the shape of Mickey Mouse. I did some really fun stuff and they loved it. And I showed them my spin label. And I remember him saying that the guy that saw my spin label said, 
we tell stories and your label tells a story. Mm -hmm. You found your home. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, Disney and Hasbro, that's some big names. Have you sold an idea to Hasbro? I have not done Hasbro. My label has been on products such as Jim Beam, mm. uh, a lot of water companies, vitamin companies, um, Nescafe Coffee, which is a big company. Yeah, that's big. big. Yeah. yeah. I was a Disney licensee where I sold, I created little guitar picks that when you turn them back and forth, I could put 13 frames of a movie on there. And we were the largest supplier of guitar picks in the world. I became a Disney licensee. I also did all the Taylor Swift's guitar picks too. What? <laughs> yeah. That is, it's some deep niche stuff. That's amazing. It was interesting because we became so popular with these guitar picks um, that we were selling them in ten, tens of thousands of stores around the world. Yeah. And sure enough, uh, Taylor Swift's dad um, was visiting the local um, here's one was visiting the local uh, gas station getting a donut and there's where our guitar picks and the lenticular lens you move them back and forth and it creates images and stuff like this like here's I don't know there's tons of them but here's one like with an alien and um, oh yeah so he saw it and he goes I want Taylor strumming the guitar on guitar picks <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm in my office and I go out to lunch. I come back. My office manager says, Guess who called? I said, Who? He said, Scott Swift. I said, Who's he? Yeah. Taylor Swift's dad. You're like, How should I know that? And I said, Who's Taylor Swift? You she did was it. 19 years old. Okay. That okay. makes a little more sense. Just starting out. Yes. Just starting out. And I've got a picture of her somewhere here. We're, we're together. And she right here. And she was. Oh, my gosh. Just a little thing. Yeah. She was amazing. So she had, we made guitar picks. And she was, con she was doing concerts everywhere. And, and I got to meet her and her family and everything else with a guitar pick. That's, see, <laughs> you would never, ever guess that it would open doors like that. But Not it just a million years. No, that's and incredible. She, she was playing at Oracle Arena. Her family says, Come out and meet Taylor. I brought home my whole family. Then after the show, we went to her trailer and spent an hour. She was the most amazing person I've ever met. As kind, as nice as could be, didn't have to do anything. And look at her now. No kidding. She's the big everybody knew it. But anyway, creativity. I met them, I've met the most amazing people coming up with ideas and people connect with one another. So, so yeah, I've got the most amazing job, I guess, in the world, really. Steve, I think you do. <laughs> I can't think of anything else. Crazy. Steve, it's crazy. Kind of. Yeah. And I get to see it in the background. I get to experience some really amazing people. Someone from Cairo, Egypt, follows me, followed my course. I taught him. And now his product is selling around the world. And I, I visited him a couple of times in Egypt and I went down to the stores and there it is. He's got a factory, he's got workers. He sends me this email and it's, this is the stuff that really matters. And this is my why I do this. He says, Steve, you changed my life forever. 
And that was the same man that did that to me too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're right. You, I cannot give enough back. It's impossible. Yeah. I think that you're doing a pretty good job of giving I'm crying. back. Yeah. I'm crying. <laughs> Wouldn't be too hard on yourself there. So people are, you say that you have an idea and you can maybe solve a problem or some make something cooler, like your wall ball for Michael Jordan. At what point does somebody know that they have a product idea when they're thinking about this? And it's not just like a flight of fancy. Is, is there a magic place where you're like, oh, that makes sense to actually create? I, we, who knows? Yeah, just do it. I, I tell everybody, if you're looking for someone to tell you yes or no, I think you're going to, I think you're wasting your time. And people ask me all the time, Steve, what do you think? I don't know. I do know this. The process is really simple. You create a one-page advertisement for your product, right? That's all you do. And there's a benefit at the very top. And it's called a one-sentence benefit statement. It's just one short benefit statement of what my product does. Why would you care to have it? Yeah. And then a picture of your prototype. It could be a prototype. It could be a drawing. It could be computer generated. It doesn't matter. And I file a provisional patent application. I can file that for... I don't know, $40 or $50 easy. I can make a sell sheet, a one-page sell sheet. I don't know, $100 maybe, I don't know. So now those are two things I can test ideas. I have patent pending, feel pretty good. Contact a company, here's my sell sheet. So why, over, why overthink it, right? Because if you overthink it, you're going to stop. Exactly. I think people almost rely on overthinking because then it's a safe space. It, it's easier to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. When yeah. When I'm trying to say, look, everybody, look, test, you can test all your ideas with a simple method. It's not a big deal. And see if people have, if they're interested, if they're interested, then maybe you build that prototype or maybe you take it to another level. But what I'm saying is you're always selling benefits. So if you look at it that way, now you're an idea factory. And you're not getting bogged down by all this other stuff. Yeah, just get out of your own way. Yeah. yeah. Is your course through InventRight? It's really simple. People can find um, these 10 steps. They can find that in the book called One Simple Idea. That's from McGraw-Hill. That's been translated in five different languages. That's an easy read. They can go to my YouTube channel. We have... 70,000 subscribers now. Oh, I know. I'm really proud of that. And we have over 1,000 videos. Okay. That's free. You can learn everything you can. And I've written a thousand articles too. Wow. Yeah. It's all free. Okay. All right. And then, but if you want, let's say you want more, let's say you read mm -hmm. about it. Hey, Steve, I really want you to hold my hand. Then you call my company and we've, we have a program. We'll hold your hand too, but you don't need it, but people do. Some people want someone to be there every step to go to this. Okay, I get it. But some people don't need it. I understand that too. So we do both. Yeah. yeah. You could have those people too that want handholding for a little bit until they feel more confident. And then they're like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. And then we have a lot of people that just stay with us forever because we have a nice community. They just hang yeah. out. They just hang out. I'm like, what are you guys doing here? They just hang out and they hang out. Yeah. And, um, we have some, we work with some very large organizations too, like the Smithsonian works with us. 
uh, that's awesome do. yeah no really big and really anybody's got an idea what's the largest physically product that you've licensed there's a terms of size or money size there's a technology in every truck in the united states that one of our students licensed you know that's that's amazing that was a big deal and here's a product that i think is really quite similar too um this product it's called the whiskey wedge from corksicle they did about a million units last year uh-huh. that's if you do the math with the royalty of 60 cents you're doing a million units that's a pretty big royalty check at the end of the day was that ice in there like permanent ice yeah oh here's i love the story here i saw that back there i was like what's buzz doing back there integrate this is a this is a a light toy that's in all the theme parks and the the gentleman that invented this showed this to everybody got rejected by everyone until one company said take that out of that box and why don't we show it to one of the big amusement parks and his royalties were 10 million dollars on this yeah, I, I've seen at least very similar at Disneyland. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, I tell everybody, look, don't count anybody out. Um, do you have to be qualified? No, you don't. Your ideas will get better. Of course, everybody's does. Yeah. You, are you going to hit a home run the first time out? I doubt it. It does happen. But truly love it. If you truly love it, you're going to you're going to really enjoy this. If you're chasing money, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a, this is the great thing to do, right? Because it is tough in, in terms of getting rejection and it takes time, right? So I like to tell everybody, let's have some reality to it. Yeah. Okay. But I'll never forget, I was in Bozeman, Montana at my best friend's son's graduation and everybody's there and they're and I look around and they're drinking out of my spin label bottle. 10,000 people. <laughs> and I looked around and go, that's my idea. Like, yeah. They're probably so, like, yeah, like you crazy. <laughs> no, I, no one would believe me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's moments like that. You just put, put a smile on your face. Yeah. It's like a pinch me moment. Pretty like, much. It's random. It's, 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 did that really happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. There's there's so many different types of people that could invent such beneficial things if you think about it. Like parents could definitely see probably gaps in what they are using for their children and any like that person that developed something in the truck, he probably saw it when he's this would be great. I'll show you another project I'm involved in. Plastic is terrible for the environment, right? Those plastic rings on beverages. It's awful. This is called fishbone. You can go to fishbone.com and it's a packaging. That's all paper, 100% curbside recyclable. Oh. And you're going to see this on a lot of beverages now. And that's from a group that I work with, some amazing inventors. And it's called fishbone.com. The same principles can be applied to ideas that are simple, they're complex, life-changing. It doesn't matter. Right. And I get to see some incredible things happen. This idea here, I love this idea. This inventor, one of our members, 
they were driving by a fountain and the, her daughters were like, wow, look at that fountain. And they were mesmerized by a fountain. So she went home and built this little fountain so her daughters could play with it and sent the prototype into a company. And there you go. You can build your own fountain at home. Oh gosh. Right? Yeah. So I get to see some incredible things. And how did those ideas start? I don't know. You see something, you go, hey, why mm -hmm. not? And so why not? Test it. Why not show it to a company? Here's the frustrating part. If you do nothing and you have this idea and it's a good idea and you do nothing, I can guarantee you're going to see it later. Yeah. And, and that's going to be so frustrating. You're going to go, that's my idea. So don't let that happen to you. We did talk a little bit about Shark Tank before, because that's like the accessible thing. Obviously, not everybody has to do that. But one thing that you see there with these inventors is the, the time old story. I worked my nine to five, and then I worked my five to midnight, which was this. And then I also had five kids to feed, all of that. And I don't know how I did it all, but I did. Are right. there, does it have to be that way? Really, I guess is my question. Can you be a hobby creator? Oh. I think if you're going to venture, yeah, and that's what they're doing. They're starting a company. They're, gotcha. So yeah, that, yeah, they want the full stake and then they're giving up a stake of the whole company. They it. are because they have to raise money and build product. That's a big commitment. That's a big risk. That's a financial risk. That's a time risk. That's a lot of risk. What I'm telling everybody, look, if you want to be that type of entrepreneur, yeah. then that's great. But I'm not that type of entrepreneur. I'm, I don't like risk. Right. So what I do is that I come up with a lot of ideas and just test ideas and then let them do all the work for me. Now, this is not a 60 hour a week thing. You could do it a couple hours a week and have fun with it. Now, it could get serious, but it, it doesn't have to be. You don't have to quit your day job. You don't have to quit school. You don't have to do any of those things. You can play this game anywhere, anytime once you learn some of the basic principles. Is it expensive? You could probably, I tell everybody, you can pitch ideas for probably under $200. Yeah. And if you're really clever, you could do less than that. Yeah. I can pitch ideas just by calling a company up and not even making anything. Because I could pitch the benefit. I've got an idea that does this. Would you like to see it? Oh, you do? Okay. Go make it. <laughs> it's all about understanding. It's all about good storytelling. It's about finding the right companies, seeing a problem. Maybe their customers would just love to, a solution to. Right? But you never really know. That's why you have to knock on doors and present yourself as a professional. Be polite. Okay. Understand their business. Okay, I get it. Um, maybe file some type of intellectual property, like a provisional patent application. Easy to do. Hmm. Uh, these are really simple things to do. And you can do it anywhere in the world at any age. Mm -hmm. So there's no barriers. And we're, I have a lot of, um, we've been teaching a lot of high school kids now because they're taking these classes about being an entrepreneur. Mm. And they're great. Raise how to do all this stuff. But at the end of the day, they're not going to start companies. So their products just stay, they don't do anything with it. And I'm like, no, let me show you how to license because it should never stop. It doesn't have to stop. And once you learn how to knock on a door, everything changes. And then you could knock on any door anywhere. 
Mm-hmm. That's what I like to see. What I get to see during this process is people gaining confidence in themselves to do anything. Yeah, I, I think it's li- they think it's licensing. I think it's a empowerment of going, I can do anything. Yeah. And, yeah. And I can help. I can make people smile. I, like I said, I did this because I didn't think anybody would hire me. I had to create my own job because I didn't think anybody would hire me. So I came at it from a different perspective of survival. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do for a living? And I was tested for dyslexia when I was 45 because my kids were getting ready to go to college and I was, I left college early and I wanted to go back, back to get my degree. So I got tested because I tried to get back into my college. And they said, Steve, you're three units shy. So I said, forget it. And they said, no, don't forget it. And I said, school's not my thing. Say, well, go get tested. So I went and got tested and it came back. And they said to me, we don't really know what you can do. You tested so poorly. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Okay. So it empowered me to talk about it a little bit more and say, everybody's different and I have different skills. So um, I was what you call someone at risk, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people that are at risk like me. Mm-hmm. If I can help them find something that makes sense, I don't want to do that. I really love that because school is not for everybody, but it's presented, it's changing now. But at least when I was getting into college, it was presented at as is this is the way you make a life for yourself. This is the way. And it's sh- that's just not true because it's not for everybody and it's not for everybody for a plethora of different reasons. No, it's not. And um, I remember when I met my wife and her background, she was in marketing, I was in engineering and I was making more money than her. Since she was like, you didn't even have a job. Uh-huh. <laughs> so how can you do that? So I think there, there is a different path for people. And I saw that firsthand and I know there is. And so I think it's important to, to show people maybe different things that they can do. I wish someone had shown me that. I wish someone had said, let me show you all the things that are available to you. Yeah. And I think that's missing. I didn't see it. I didn't know. But I think things are changing a little bit. And I think um, people are challenging the system a little bit too and demanding more too. Yeah, it's it's an interesting time. You're filling that gap too. I hope you realize in that way where people can find an outlet like this where they have an idea and they could make a lot of money off the idea. And if not, they could gain confidence and continue going with something else. But it's a gateway to having a different life that probably nobody even thinks of. I think there's, I think you have to expose people to a lot of opportunities. Yeah. I don't think we get exposed. I didn't. And I also think that if you, I like to teach people to fish. People are asking me all the time, Steve, why don't you do it for me? I go, no, that's not any fun. If I teach it for you, you can't do it again. If I teach you to fish, you don't need me. You fly. Mm-hmm. I want you to fly. Bunch yeah. of flying fish. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, it's interesting too. I think people that want to go down that entrepreneurial path are, I think there's a lot of really giving people out there. 
And especially if you've been through it and you've been knocked around a little bit, I think you have a different perspective on life a little bit too. So I think that we all need to share that information and help each other and help the next guy up. Why not? So yeah, it's interesting. It's a small world now. You can reach anybody. And just reaching out to companies now. You don't have to knock on doors or go. You, go, you can do everything on LinkedIn. There's no barriers. You can make prototypes, 3D printing or graphics. You can file PPAs. You can do graphics. Anybody in the world can do that for you. By freelance sites. You can reach out to any company in the world through LinkedIn. It's all available. What is stopping you? Nothing. The only thing that's stopping you is a little bit of guidance. And someone that's behind you saying, hey, you can do this. It's okay. I'll catch you if you fall. You're okay. Yeah. I'm trying to map out the whole process of product development in my head. So obviously you have the idea. You have the prototype, as you said, drawing. You can make it whatever. And in terms of trying to see if anybody, like it holds water, if any company would like it, do you do that first before licensing? No, what you do, those are right. You, I tell everybody, if you have an idea, first thing to do is go online mm-hmm. and see if you can find it. Okay. Somebody did it first. Yeah. Do, it's called study the marketplace. Step number one, look around. Look, you cannot look enough. And then if you don't see it, go, okay. Next step. Okay. I think I have something. I think I have something people might want. Okay. Maybe you build a prototype. If you cannot build a prototype, don't worry about it. Create it, have someone draw it up for you or create it with 3D printing, but somehow get that idea out so people can actually see it too. Okay. And then put together a one page advertisement. I tell everybody that one page advertisement is like a billboard. When you're driving down the freeway and you look up, you get it. That's all it really is, is one page. The benefit, label uh, provides 75% more space because there's never enough space on labels. That's what my label, that's what my rotating label does. <laughs> and here's a picture of someone using it. And then there's a couple of features. It's easy to do, easy to twist, easy to manufacture. Those are features. And here's my contact information. There it is. It's just, that's it. And then reach out to companies that always ask for do you work with inventors? Mm-hmm. Find them on LinkedIn. Find that perfect company. Go down to the store and go, my product should be selling there. Take a picture of all those other products. Those are the companies you're going to reach out to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you go on LinkedIn, find those companies, and then find people in the marketing department or sales department and make a connection. Once they connect with you, say, hey, do you work with us inventors? Do you embrace open innovation? Oh, you do. Who's the right person? That's how it all starts. Okay. And then you send them your marketing piece. If they like it, then the whole process starts. Yeah. Pretty, it's actually really quite simple. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. And it's, you will be led along the way once you start talking to people that be like, oh, talk to this person. And then, and obviously, if you are lost, you can reach out to you. You could Google it. You could join a course. Yes. <laughs> Look it up on YouTube, one of your thousands of videos. <laughs> Hopefully those videos help, but getting in the game is really easy. Where people trip up a little bit, some companies might ask them some questions they don't know how to answer. Mm -hmm. Some things fall apart or you overthink it or you don't understand some of the, the language that's happening. So that's where we see it falling apart a little bit. And 
but really it's simple. If a 13 year old boy can do it, okay, come on, everybody, not that hard. Now you have to realize he did this in the novelty gift industry. In the novelty gift industry, there's the bookie mark. The, goal, the novelty gift industry is a really fun industry. They don't need prototypes. They don't need intellectual property. Sketch it on a napkin. That industry loves ideas. That's how I started. Okay. Right? Yeah. And that this company that's in the novelty gift is, is called Fred and Friends. And they sell everywhere. But they'll tell you, just put a sketch on a napkin. You got to be kidding me. Really? Okay. And that's what he did. Yeah. And it's so fun. It's a really cute idea. And they, I can't believe it's selling everywhere too. He's, <laughs> he, and he was 13 and his sister was 10. They were a tag team. They worked together. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Forget the lemonade stand. He's going but after it. It started, I think, with lemonade. He, he tells that story. His dad was helping him and <gasps> said, do that. And he realized that wasn't working very well. I could do something else. <laughs> I got bigger fish to fry here, Dad. Got to find another way to make a little bit more money. So the wow. story, yeah, I have his story on a video I did on my YouTube with Connor and his, his uh, sister, yeah. But they tell this great story about how they really did it. And then when you hear it, you realize, and that that's why I like these podcasts so much, right? You have to expose people to different situations like you're doing. And then you go, wow, let me, that person did that. Let me dig a little deeper, right? So it all starts with that first sending a message out. Mm -hmm. And then it, who knows where that goes? So you're just pushing information out to all these people, right? All this good stuff's going out. You don't know who's going to listen to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you're part of that. You're part of that too. You're part of that change agent, right? Yeah, I guess I am. Yeah, you're a giver. <laughs> I. I love that. I always tell people, no matter what it is, two weeks ago, I ran my first ultra marathon and I have people that tell me there's no way I could do that. And I'm like, Oh, if I could do it, you could do it. Honestly. And that all the time, people are like, if I could do it, you could do it. I don't really believe anybody's that much smarter than anybody else. It's all about how you apply yourself and how you chase after your interests. That's a big, that's a big deal. Okay. Not every, okay. You determined. Yeah. Right? You, you were, um, disciplined. Right. Yeah. Up. Gave okay. up a lot of happy hours. <laughs> to and run. You were, you're a rock climber too. I see. I, it's interesting. I do think people can, they can do much more if they want to. Yeah. They really can. And, and some, sometimes they need someone to show them the way. I was going to ask for your like last pitch for people to encourage them to go after it, but I, that might've been it, but if you have anything else. <laughs> no, I'll say I'll repeat what my father told me. If you find something you truly love to do, you'll never work a day in your life. So don't settle for less. Never settle. You didn't. No, he was right. And what I really liked about it is that people only retire from things they don't like. So I'll be doing this forever. I'm sure you have lots of ideas to bring to licensing and market. Yeah. I have a lot of mountains to climb. It's not you do. Yeah. You do. Where can people find you, Stephen? 
I think the easiest way is just to find me on my YouTube channel, mm-hmm. right? And it's Invent Right TV. You want to invent right, not wrong. So go to Invent Right TV and dig in. It's like potato chips. You watch one, you want to watch another one. It's, stop. it's hard to stop watching them. We make them fun and just, just take a deep breath and enjoy it. Don't get in a hurry. Yeah, but, and don't get in your own way. Yeah. I think that's smart. Thank you so much for your time, Stephen. This was so wonderful. And I hope everybody just goes out there and puts everything to market, or at least tries. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. Thank you so much for listening to the You're Not Qualified podcast, you capable babes. I'm very excited that you made it to the end of this episode. I would love to hear from you if you feel inspired by the stories that you hear on this podcast. If you feel inspired by this particular one, please drop me a line. I can be reached by email, ynqpod at gmail.com. I am most active on Instagram. The handle is at ynqpod. Q pod. Please drop me a DM there. I love chatting with you all. Write a comment, anything you'd like. I just want to hear what you think. If you think that you'd be a great fit for this podcast and you want to come on and tell your story of how you overcame imposter syndrome, please get in touch. Or if you know of somebody that you think would also love to tell their story, get them in touch with me. Would love to hear from them. If you like what you hear, I love it when you subscribe, so please do so or follow me depending on what platform you're listening on. And also leave a review. Spotify does this really fun thing now where you can actually leave a review after a prompt. It's a really exciting way to get engaged. I realized it not too long ago when scrolling through Spotify that they let you put prompts as the creator, and I would love to hear from you. So please just get in touch. Let's get involved. I am so excited that you are even listening, and I really, really, really hope that this inspires you to get out and do that damn thing. Go do everything that scares you. You are way more capable than you think you are. I promise you. Again, friends, thank you so much for listening. Go do that thing. I will see you very soon. Bye.